0: Section 116 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 147. Greenwich. June 13th, Old Style, 1751. My dear friend, Les bien this single word implies decorum, good breeding, and propriety—are a most necessary part of the knowledge of the world. They consist in the relations of persons, things, time, and place— good sense points them out, good company perfects them, supposing always an attention and a desire to please, and good policy recommends them. Were you to converse with a king, you ought to be as easy and unembarrassed as with your own valet de chambre, but yet every look, word, and action should imply the utmost respect. What would be proper and well-bred with others, much your superiors, would be absurd and ill-bred with one so very much so." You must wait till you are spoken to, you must receive, not give, the subject of conversation, and you must even take care that the given subject of conversation do not lead you into any impropriety. The art would be to carry it, if possible, to some indirect flattery, such as commending those virtues in some other person, in which that prince either thinks he does, or at least would be thought by others to excel." Almost the same precautions are necessary to be used with ministers, generals, etc., who expect to be treated with very near the same respect as their masters, and commonly deserve it better. There is, however, this difference, that one may begin the conversation with them, if on their side it should happen to drop, provided one does not carry it to any subject upon which it is improper either for them to speak or to be spoken to. In these two cases certain attitudes and actions would be extremely absurd, because too easy, and consequently disrespectful. As, for instance, if you were to put your arms across your bosom, twirl your snuff-box, trample with your feet, scratch your head, etc., it would be shockingly ill-bred in that company, and indeed not extremely well-bred in any other. The great difficulty in those cases, though a very surmountable one by attention and custom, is to join perfect inward ease with perfect outward respect in mixed companies with your equals for in mixed companies all people are to a certain degree equal greater ease and liberty are allowed but they too have their bounds within bien there is a certain social respect necessary you may start your own subject of conversation with modesty taking great care however de ne jamais parler de cordes dans la maison d'un Never mention a rope in the family of a man who has been hanged. Your words, gestures, and attitudes have a greater degree of latitude, though by no means an unbounded one. You may have your hands in your pockets, take snuff, sit, stand, or occasionally walk as you like, but I believe you would not think it very biencient to whistle, put on your hat, loosen your garters or your buckles, lie down upon a couch or go to bed, and welter in an easy chair." These are negligences and freedoms which one can only take when quite alone. They are injurious to superiors, shocking and offensive to equals, brutal and insulting to inferiors. That easiness of carriage and behavior, which is exceedingly engaging, widely differs from negligence and inattention, and by no means implies that one may do whatever one pleases. It only means that one is not to be stiff, formal, embarrassed, disconcerted, and ashamed, like country bumpkins, and people who have never been in good company. But it requires great attention too and a scrupulous observation of les bien whatever one ought to do, is to be done with ease and unconcern. Whatever is improper must not be done at all. In mixed companies also, different ages and sexes are to be differently addressed. You would not talk of your pleasures to men of a certain age, gravity, and dignity. They justly expect from young people a degree of deference and regard. You should be full as easy with them as with people of your own years. But your manner must be different. More respect must be implied, and it is not amiss to insinuate that from them you expect to learn. It flatters and comforts age for not being able to take part in the joy and titter of youth. To women you should always address yourself with great outward respect and attention, whatever you feel inwardly. Their sex is by long prescription entitled to it, and it is among the duties of bienseance At the same time that respect is very properly and very agreeably mixed with a degree of enjouement, if you have it, but then that bandinage must either directly or indirectly tend to their praise, and even not be liable to a malicious construction to their disadvantage. But here, too, great attention must be had to the difference of age, rank, and situation. A maréchal of fifty must not be played with like a young coquette of fifteen, Respect and serious enjouement, if I may couple those two words, must be used with the former, and mere badinage, zeste meme d'un peu de polissonnerie, is pardonable with the latter. Another important point of les bien seances, seldom enough attended to, is not to run your own present humor and disposition indiscriminately against everybody, but to observe, conform to, and adopt them. For example, if you happen to be in a high good-humour and a flow of spirits would you go and sing a pont neuf or cut a caper to la marchelle de Cogny, the pope's nuncio or Abbe Salier, or to any person of natural gravity and melancholy or who at that time should be in grief i believe not as on the other hand i suppose that if you were in low spirits or real grief you would not choose to bewail your situation with la petit bloc if you cannot command your present humour and disposition single out those to converse with who happen to be in the humour nearest to your own loud laughter is extremely inconsistent with les biens as it is only the illiberal and noisy testimony of the joy of the mob at some very silly thing a gentleman is often seen but very seldom heard to laugh nothing is more contrary to les biens than horse-play or jeu de main of any kind whatever and has often very serious, sometimes very fatal consequences. Romping, struggling, throwing things at one another's head, are the becoming pleasantries of the mob, but degrade a gentleman. Gucchio di mano, Guccio di villano, is a very true saying, among the few true sayings of the Italians. Peremptoriness and decision in young people is contraire aux and they should seldom seem to assert and always use some softening mitigating expressions such as "si m'est permis de le dire je croyais plutôt si je m'expliquais which soften the manner without giving up or even weakening the thing people of more age and experience expect and are entitled to that degree of deference there is a bien science also with regard to people of the lowest degree a gentleman observes it with his footman even with a beggar in the street. He considers them as objects of compassion, not of insult. He speaks to neither d'un ton brusque, but corrects the one coolly, and refuses the other with humanity. There is one occasion in the world in which le ton brusque is becoming in a gentleman. In short, les bien are another word for manners, and extend to every part of life. They are propriety. The graces should attend, in order to complete them, the graces enable us to do, genteelly and pleasingly, what les bien require to be done at all. The latter are an obligation upon every man, the former are an infinite advantage and ornament to any man. May you unite both. Though you dance well, do not think that you dance well enough, and consequently not endeavor to dance still better. And though you should be told that you are genteel, still aim at being genteeler. If Marcel should— do not you be satisfied. Go on, court the graces all your lifetime. You will find no better friends at court. They will speak in your favor to the hearts of princes, ministers, and mistresses. Now that all tumultuous passions and quick sensations have subsided with me, and that I have no tormenting cares nor boisterous pleasures to agitate me, my greatest joy is to consider the fair prospect you have before you, and to hope and believe you will enjoy it. You are already in the world, at an age when others have hardly heard of it. Your character is hitherto not only unblemished in its mortal part, but even unsullied by any low, dirty, and ungentlemanlike vice, and will, I hope, continue so. Your knowledge is sound, extensive, and avowed, especially in everything relative to your destination. With such materials to begin with, what then is wanting? Not fortune, as you have found by experience." you have had and shall have fortune sufficient to assist your merit and your industry, and if I can help it, you shall never have enough to make you negligent of either. You have, too, mens sana in corpore sano, the greatest blessing of all. All, therefore, that you want is as much in your power to acquire as to eat your breakfast when set before you. It is only that knowledge of the world, that elegance of manners, that universal politeness, and those graces which keeping good company and seeing variety of places and characters must inevitably, with the least attention on your part, give you. Your foreign destination leads you to the greatest things, and your parliamentary situation will facilitate your progress. Consider, then, this pleasing prospect as attentively for yourself as I consider it for you. Labor on your part to realize it, as I will on mine to assist, and enable you to do it. Nullum numen abest si sit prudentia. Adieu, my dear child. I count the days till I have the pleasure of seeing you. I shall soon count the hours, and at last the minutes, with increasing impatience. P.S. The Mohairs are this day gone from hence for Calais, recommended to the care of Madame Morel, and directed as desired to the comptroller-general. The three pieces come to six hundred and eighty French livres. End of section 116. Read by Professor Heather By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.